The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello there. This is Dr. Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You know, sometimes I'm on the internet, social media, Facebook, and Twitter and such, and I see people fighting about important things, talking about abortion, immigration, justice, apologetics, the Trinity. And in the midst of the fight, I think these thoughts... Have these people been with Jesus? Am I experiencing Jesus regardless of who's right and who's wrong? On today's Fairly Spiritual Show, we're going to talk about making room for the presence of Jesus. The Fairly Spiritual Show, and I am Dr. Doug Bursch. I co-pastor Evergreen Church in Auburn, Washington, along with Dan Behrens. I'm so glad you could listen to today's show. If you would like to text the show or leave a voicemail, you can do so by uh, texting or leaving a voicemail at this number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. You can also go to our website, fairlyspiritual.org to find past podcast, past podcast, and uh, other information, ways to support the show financially. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to the show. If you can't listen on a Friday or whenever it's on the radio, uh, you can certainly uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. We're on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud and other places where you can find podcasts. It's the Fairly Spiritual Show, so you can subscribe that way. Uh, So on today's show, I want to talk about this reality. Uh, Sometimes you hear Christians giving really good arguments about Jesus, about Christianity, about what is just or unjust, and, um, you know, we get caught in it. We're just, yeah, I agree with this guy, or I don't agree with this person. But then uh, I think this thought, has this person been with Jesus? Do I hear Jesus in any of this? Am I thinking about Jesus? Is Jesus in the room in this discussion? I've been going through the book of Acts uh, with our church, and I've taken notice of this, that the word witness or witnessing Jesus or being witnesses of Jesus is throughout Acts, and uh, I think it's used in a different way than the way we use witness. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells the disciples to wait uh, until they're clothed with power from on high, to wait until they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there's these words used in 1.8. It says, but you will receive power. This is what Jesus says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we use witnesses in this way. Witnesses as in you need to go out and talk about Jesus. You need to go out and proclaim Jesus. And that's probably what a lot of people think about when they hear Jesus say, hey, you need to have the Holy Spirit so you can be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But I don't think that's actually the context that Jesus is using. What Jesus is saying is, I'm going to go away to be with the Father, but uh, you still need to witness me. And in fact, not just you 12, or, or this group beyond the 12 who are traveling with Jesus, but everyone who calls upon my name to be saved needs to be able to experience me 
to be able to know me, to be able to hear me, to be able to follow my leading. And in order for you to witness me, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Uh, to witness. like It's a legal term, like, uh, did you witness that murder? Uh, yes, I did. Well, if you witnessed something, that means you experienced it. And Jesus is telling the disciples, you need to witness me in Jerusalem. But when they kick you out of Jerusalem, you need to witness me in Judea. And when they scatter you beyond Judea to Samaria, you need to witness, witness me there. And even if they scatter you to the ends of the earth, you need to find me. That I'm not just in the temple. I'm not just in Jerusalem. I'm not just in Judea. I'm in Samaria. I'm to, I'm in the, to the ends of the earth. And so that picture is very strongly because Jesus says, don't go out and just start doing ministry. Don't just start preaching things and teaching things and arguing for your ideas about what the kingdom of God is all about. I want you to bring me with you. I want to go with you, that you would witness me wherever you go. And you see this theme uh, throughout Acts. And I was looking at Acts 1 through 7, uh, where you see the importance of witnessing Jesus. And this is in the formation of deacons. So if you look at Acts uh, 6, 1, it goes like this. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist, and the Hellenist would be the Greek-speaking Jews, says a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the daily distribution is basically the distribution of food and basic supplies for survival. So there's a complaint. There's an, an ethnic dispute or a dispute between two groups, those who speak Greek, those who speak Hebrew, and there seems to be a complaint that uh, food is being distributed unevenly. Uh, and so in response to this justice issue, uh, this is what the disciples do. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. That's a pretty radical statement there, because it, it matters that these people are being treated unfairly. And in our modern context, if someone said, hey, Pastor Doug, uh, it's very important for you to know that there's some people, you know, some widows uh, who are being taken advantage of, and they're not being fed, and others are being fed first, and we need you to deal with this dispute. And if I said, uh, that's not as important as me preaching, some people might say, that's what's wrong with the church. The church should be caring about the feeding of widows more than it should care about the preaching of the word. But in the context of this passage, it's really important to preach the word and also we'll see to pray. So we need to understand why this is in the scripture. So the disciples say, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So, uh, but then they say in verse four, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And then it talks about the seven that they appoint to this task. And it says, uh, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. So because they did this, the word of God continued to increase. So you look at this and you say, why was this so important that they said, we need to dedicate ourselves to prayer and to the preaching of the word, so much so that they created another group of people to administrate helping those who needed food. Why is this so important? Well, I think we need to look at the practical realities of this. Uh, during this time, it's important to know how people prayed. And if you look at prayer, there's probably a good chance uh, that they prayed at least two times a day, most likely three times a day, 
especially in the temple. If you've ever uh, looked in the Bible and you've seen the words the third hour or the sixth hour or the ninth hour, you ever seen that? Uh, this is how they would distribute or they would look at the day. They didn't have, you know, Rolex watches or they didn't have everything right down to the second or to the minute. But they would look at daylight hours this way, that there was about 12 daylight hours, and the third hour was considered three hours after the sun had risen. So the third hour of the day is basically three hours after the sun had risen, and the third hour of the day would be where you would go for morning prayer. The third hour of the day is mentioned in Acts 2 for when Pentecost happens, when the Holy Spirit falls on the church. So at the third hour, they are gathered to pray and the Spirit falls. The sixth hour, which you see that mentioned as well, would be about around noon. And so uh, you see uh, the sixth hour mentioned in Scripture as well. Um, there's, there's a mention of the, the sixth hour uh, well, at different times when they, they pray. There's, here's another one, the ninth hour, and I, I just want to get some of this in, so I'm going to kind of go rapid fire. I think you hear me talking because I'm excited about the points here. Um, the ninth hour would be um, basically three hours after noon, uh, so that would be in the evening. And in the ninth hour, it, you also see is uh, when the lame man was healed in Acts 3, verse 1. So in the evening, they're going to pray. So you have prayer in the morning, prayer in the noon time, and prayer in the evening. You even see uh, in Psalms 55, 17, where the psalmist talks about praying in the evening and in the morning and in the noon. That's not just saying, oh, I just pray all the time. It's actually talking about a ritual of prayer that occurred in the temple and a ritual of prayer that many Jewish people followed. It, probably, most likely, this is how people prayed during that time, that they would stop whatever city they were in, whatever place they were in, sometime in the morning during the third hour, they would stop and they would kneel. And if they were away from the temple, they would kneel towards the temple and they would pray. And then at noon, they would stop and they would kneel and they would kneel towards the temple. And in the evening, they would stop and they would pray and kneel towards the temple. So prayer was incredibly important. So why do I bring this up? Well, the disciples were caught in this problem that they were saying, we need to pray and preach the word, and having to figure out who's being fed is coming in the way of that. Well, there's something really practical that's going on here. Uh, when do people eat? People eat in the morning, around noontime, and in the evening. And so there's a problem here. The disciples, they are going early to the temple, right? Because they are ministering the kingdom. They're going early to prayer. They're like the first to show up because something is happening in the temple or in the courtyards. They are showing up. Uh, they're in Solomon's colonnade, which is right next to the temple, where they, they are praying. They are showing up early for prayer. At this time, they haven't been kicked out of the temple yet. There's all They're being arrested. There's all this conflict occurring. But they are showing up early because some things are happening. And they're showing up early to pray, because when they pray, they witness Christ. Christ reveals himself to them. When they pray, they sense God's presence. When they pray, God speaks to them. When they pray, the glory of the Lord begins to radiate on their faces. When they pray, they have authority. When they pray, they literally witness God. And so they show up early to pray, and then immediately you see this again and again in Acts that after they pray, what happens? The Spirit falls on the community. And when the Spirit falls, then they begin to preach. 
because they've witnessed Christ, and they've witnessed Christ, and Christ has spoken, and Christ is moving, and Christ is upon them, and Christ is in them, and Christ is with them, and so they begin to speak from witnessing Christ. And so you see this again and again. The Spirit falls, and then one of the disciples begins to preach or teach, or miracles begin to happen because Christ is being witnessed, Christ is being seen, Christ is being understood in their midst. That's the story of Acts 2, that when Pentecost occurs, people realize Christ has risen from the grave. He's alive. He's real because we're, we're experiencing him right now through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and through the fact that Peter is speaking the words of God and through that we sense the presence of God. And so they're preaching and teaching and miracles are occurring. And when you're preaching and teaching and miracles are occurring, you don't rush out of that room. You stay till the end. And this is what they did when Jesus walked this earth, right? They would they'd minister to people and they ministered to the end. So they showed up early and they ministered to the end. So you see these disciples in the morning coming in to pray. And then they're preaching based on as the Holy Spirit is poured out and they're ministering to people. And that's a long time. And guess when that's occurring? That's occurring when people start to get hungry and they want breakfast. Or that's occurring at noon and people get hungry and they want lunch. Or that's occurring in the evening and they want some sort of dinner. So the disciples are saying at a very practical level, they're like, for us to minister the kingdom, we need to witness God. And when we witness God, we begin to preach the kingdom. And for us to preach what we've witnessed, we need to give our attention to that. And we can't give our attention to the feeding ministry that's going on at the same time. So we need other people to do that. So this is more than just a general thing that priority for preaching and teaching and less priority for feeding people. It's literally what's happening at that time. It's kind of like in church where people sometimes will leave like five minutes early because they're getting food ready, you know, for afterwards where there's a fellowship hour. It would be like if I was finishing my sermon and I'm preaching something and, you know, God's moving in a way where people are repenting and they're giving their life to Christ and someone comes up and says, hey, I got to interrupt the message for a second because... Uh, we need to know whether we're, we're gonna, we need the burritos in downstairs or the enchiladas or we need and like they, you know, we, and there's a concern about who gets what and how much of a serving we do of this. And uh, it would be that kind of interruption. The disciples were, we, we have to witness Christ because what we do daily is such a spiritual battle that we must witness Christ every day. We must see Christ. It wasn't good enough for the disciples to say, well, you know, Acts 2, you know, we witnessed Christ once on the day of Pentecost, so that's good enough, and so now we just preach and teach because we're full of the Holy Spirit. No, they were like, what we are doing on a daily basis, we daily must experience Christ. We must be in Christ's presence. Just as when Christ walked with us, and in the morning we talked with him, and in the, at noontime we talked with him, and in the evening before we went to sleep, we talked with him, and we walked with him. Before we you know, literally laid down for the night to go to sleep, Jesus said words to us. We need those same words. We need his presence. The disciples are saying, before we speak, before we preach, before we do any religious activity, we need to witness Christ. We need to see Christ. We need to experience Christ. And I'm here to tell you that you need that as well. And as Christians, we're very dangerous if we're out there preaching and teaching and proclaiming, but we have not witnessed Christ on a daily basis. And frankly, I don't really care what your view on abortion is, and I don't really care what your view on immigration is, and I don't really care what your view on the government is, and on the Trinity is, or whatever those theological positions are, if, you've not, if you're not witnessing Christ on a daily basis, if you haven't been with Jesus, because you can even have good points or true points or right points, but if you separate those points from the presence of Jesus, you become dangerous. I become dangerous. 
People need to see that we've been with Jesus. It's like Moses being with God, that he was on that holy mountain, and he began to radiate the glory of the Lord. So he had come down from the mountain, and people saw that he had been with God. And he had a veil over his face, and, there's, and the Bible talks about that at one level it was revealing the, that the glory was fading, but there was also this reality that when Moses would say something to the people, the people could say, like, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that, and Moses could lift up the veil, and if they saw the glory, they'd be like, well, I, I guess we're supposed to do that because Moses has clearly been with God. And because Moses had clearly been with God, he had the authority to speak the words of God. And it's of profound arrogance and ignorance that we would think we have the right to speak into people's lives and to argue positions and to, and, and to speak on behalf as Christ followers if we haven't witnessed Christ in the morning, or, Christ, or witnessed Christ in the noontime, or witnessed Christ in the evening. We are called to witness Christ. That's why we were called to wait for the Holy Spirit before we go out and do anything so that we don't share a message that's separated from the resurrected presence of Jesus Christ. These disputes in the church were getting in the way of the disciples witnessing Christ, and they understood that daily when they gave their first breath, their first morning, their first time, the first hour of the day, the first moments of the day to being with Christ, that it impacted them in such a way that they preached with authority and they lived with authority, and that when they gave their evening, their last, their last hours of the day to the Lord, it gave them authority. We need to witness Christ on a daily basis, to be with him. And it's a question I can ask you, and you can ask me, is, have you been with Christ? And to me, that's, that's a, a bigger question. And, and everything we do, all these activities we do, Ultimately, these activities must make room for us abiding with and witnessing and hearing and understanding and experiencing Christ. When you go to church, you know, we don't just sing songs to sing songs. We sing songs to witness Christ. Is Christ speaking to you through the singing of these songs? Are you hearing his instructions? Is he encouraging your heart? Is he directing your life? The concept of reading the Bible, you know, we can do a reading Bible plan and we can we can learn doctrine, and we can learn scriptures and memorize scriptures. Or are we encountering Christ? Can we read the scripture and be like, what are, what are you saying to me, Lord? What, what are you trying to speak to me through these scriptures? When I was a young boy, my, my dad gave me a Bible, and he said, Doug, the Lord's speaking to you always, and so let him speak to you through these scriptures. And I, he gave me a highlighter, and he said, highlight what you understand. And, and, and what you don't understand, that's okay. You'll learn over time. You can ask me questions, but the Lord's speaking to you, so what you understand, highlight and meditate upon those things. When you're listening to a sermon, it's not to write down the three points of the sermon. It's, it's bigger than that. It's, have I encountered Christ? And you can encounter Christ with a good sermon or a bad sermon. Like, if this is a bad show, you can still encounter God, because you can go, oh, this is a bad show, but Lord, what are you saying? And you can spend time with Jesus. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me? How are you leading me? We can tell when someone's been with Jesus. We can tell when someone's motivated by Jesus. We can tell when the love of Jesus is in the room. Are you witnessing Jesus? 
I think about this with our relational problems as well. When you when you're when you're fighting with your spouse or your kids or something, and you, and you can spend all day doing a lot of witnessing to one another, talking to one another, you know, arguing with one another, figuring everything out, you know, and you, you you're talking about you need to do this and I need to do that, and some of it's constructive and some of it isn't constructive, and and you're just spending a lot of time with each other trying to figure this thing out. Or you're not spending much time with each other, but you're just, you know, spending your time stewing about the thing that they're not doing or you should have done differently. And it's just you're witnessing each other. Well, what if in your house there was a third person, another person that lived in your house? What if in your house, whether it's just you and your wife or it's just you alone or it's you with, with your kids, what if there was another person in your house that was perfect? There was another person in your house that had exactly what you needed. Another person in your house that if you went to them, it would be nothing but benefit for you and benefit for the people you're fighting with. What if there was a person in your house that if you went and spent time with them, it wouldn't hurt you? Or if the people you were fighting with, if they went and spent time with that person, it wouldn't hurt them? What if there was someone perfect who was always with you, always present, and the more time you spent with that person, the better it would be for you and the better it would be for other people? What if that person existed? That's the intimacy we have with God. And there is a practical reason that the disciples in the morning, in the third hour, went to spend time with Jesus. And in the noontime, spent time with Jesus. And in the evening, spent time with Jesus because they intentionally made room for Jesus to speak first. And for some of us, that's the simplest but clearest way we're going to move forward and bring health to our broken relationships. It's to say, you know what? We are fighting. We are arguing. I got to spend some time with Jesus. I've got to find a way just to listen to Jesus. Not to go to Jesus and say, fix my wife and fix my kids and fix this, but just to witness Jesus. Jesus, just tell me about the Father and tell me about your love and tell me about the kingdom and tell me about what's important in life and tell me what I'm supposed to focus in on. And we can do that through prayer. We can do it through reading the scripture. We can do it through just meditating upon Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, it gives you a different perspective in these fights and these arguments with others. In fact, when you spend time with Jesus, you come down from that mountain or you come in from that other room and you begin to radiate his glory. Jesus has a way of following you into the next room and something's changed about your personality. And you don't spend time with Jesus so you can bring Jesus in the room and say, well, Jesus told me that you got to do this, and Jesus told me that you got to do that. No, no, it's just you're spending time with Jesus to spend time with Jesus. It's like this. I spend time with my wife because I love her. I don't spend time with my wife so that I can tell you stories about my wife. Let me say that again. I spend time with my wife because I love her, not so that I can tell you stories about my wife. Do I tell stories about my wife? Yes. But that's not why I spend time with her. So you know why we need to spend time with Jesus? Because we love Jesus and he loves us. Not so I'm going to spend time with Jesus so I can come down from the mountain and say, you need to do this because I went to Jesus and I prayed about these things and Jesus wants you to do that. We just spend time with Jesus because daily we need to spend time with him in the morning and in the noontime and in the evening. But guess what? When you spend time with Jesus, it influences you. And you're going to start telling stories. And you're going to start radiating his glory. But you're not going to do it as a way to manipulate people or to get what you want. It'll just be the overflow of that loving relationship. We are called to pray. 
so that we can witness Jesus. You know, often people teach prayer like this, like, I need to grow in my prayer language so I can get something. I need to pray more so I can get healed. I need to pray more so, you know, we can deal with the financial problems. I need to pray more so I can have my prayers answered, so I can have the miracle that I want. Now, there are prayers and there are miracles and there are answered prayers. I'm not against that, but I really believe the foundational reason that the Holy Spirit was poured out and the foundational reason that the disciples needed to pray was not so that they could have their prayers answered, but simply so that they could be with Jesus, so they could witness Jesus. And when you witness Jesus, it's just hearing him. It's just like getting his perspective on your life and on the world. It's just getting into the temple and getting a temple perspective of how life is, how your life is, what life is about, what you should focus in on, where you should spend your energy and where you shouldn't spend your energy. Have you witnessed Jesus this week? Are you witnessing Jesus in the morning, in the noontime, and in the evening? If you're not, I'd ask you to join me and make room for the presence of God on a daily basis. Let's witness Jesus together. All right? Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's show. If you'd like to text me, you can. Uh, the show's number is 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. You can also leave a message, voicemail, 360-818-4513. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He loves you dearly. He's called you into relationship and intimacy. Make room for him. I will see you next week. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.